Thanks for joining us on the Father's House podcast, where we are leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. Want to learn more about us? Check us out online at thefathershouse.com. We'd love to stay connected. Now, let's go to this week's message. Turn in your Bible with me to Mark chapter 6, verse 45. And if you got your handout, I'd like for you to look at that and uh, connect the dots. How many of you, look, it says, uh, draw lines to connect the dots. Connect A to A, B to B, C to C, without crossing the lines, and you can't go outside of the box, or you can't go through the letter. So how many of you have done that? You've already done it. Wow, look at this. Great. Awesome. Yeah, a lot of you who are in the first service, you cheaters, and uh, raising your hand in this service. How many of you think it's impossible to be able to do that? There's just no way to do that. Well, why don't you think about that? How can we connect those dots, A to A, uh, B to B, C to C, not cross the lines, uh, not go outside of the box, but cross the lines? Connect the dots. Connect the dots. You ever play that old game, connect the dots, and you go from one to two to three to four, and after you finish, you have a picture that's there? That's really a lot what the Lord wants to do in our life. He wants us to help us to connect the dots. That our life is not random events. But as you look back in retrospect, you can see how that something that happened to you as a teenager, something that happened to you here, now when you connect those, they all connect together. So let me show you how to do this. It's very simple. Here's the first connection you would make. You would make a connection between C and C. See how brilliant that is? Just right there. So you're looking at that and you say, okay, but now how do I do A or a B and not cross the line? I'm glad you asked. So let's connect the letter B. Uh, here's a way we would connect the letter B, around and up and around. That doesn't fit with our linear thinking, does it? We, we don't look at it that way. And then if you want to connect the, uh, A to A, what do we do there? Well, we just do a little tricky trip around there, and we've got A to A. We can connect the dots. And I know some of you are looking right now at the dots in your life, and you think they don't make any sense. There's no way that I can connect the dots, but I'm praying and believing before we finish today, the Holy Spirit will show you, reveal to you in a practical way how that the Lord is trying to connect the random things in your life to His pattern and His will. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for your love. We thank you, Father, um, for your presence. And we thank you, Lord, that we're not just, random, not just random events in our life, but you thought out, Lord. I mean, you planned our life before we were ever born. You, you gifted us before we were ever born. And so, Lord, I just pray that, Lord, I, I, pray, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you give me a greater revelation in this service than, than any. And, and I pray you would help us as hearers to understand your word. Not just look at theology today, but look at the practicality of how you want to speak to us in your name. Would you pray this prayer with me? Holy Spirit, speak to me today. I'm ready. Connect the dots. I think that the uh, disciples struggled with connecting the dots. Think about this. In chapter 4, verse 35, Jesus tells them to go to the other side of the sea. And so they get in the boat, Jesus is with them, and they face a storm, and Jesus is sleeping, and they panic, wake up, don't you care for us? 
And he gets up and he speaks to the wind, calms it down so we know it's a satanic wind, and then he speaks peace. They get to the other side, and there's the demonized man that, that Jesus cast the demon out of him, and he becomes the first missionary to those areas of the Decapolis. So, so that's a beautiful dot there, isn't it? And then in chapter 6, verse 7, he delegates authority to the 12. He said, I'm going to give you my authority, and I want you to go out on a mission trip, and I want you to heal, I want you to cast out demons, I want you to preach, and I want you to teach. So out they go. These novel guys, never been to seminary, but because Jesus gave them the authority, there they go. They're preaching, they're teaching, they're doing miracles, and they come back rejoicing in that. And then, in chapter 6, verse 33, Jesus says, I want you to feed the multitude. We got 5,000 men here besides women and kids, and uh, isn't it interesting the very source of the feeding was a kid that wouldn't even be named or numbered in the number? And uh, so the disciples say, uh, there's too many here. It'd take a year's salary. Well, what do you got? Well, we got a kid with a Happy Meal. And so Jesus says, bring it to me. Jesus blesses it, and he changes the Happy Meal into a buffet. And the disciples walk away, each of them, with a personal basket of food that they can take home by themselves. Wow. Connect the dots. What's the, what's the ingredient in all of those? Jesus. The authority of Jesus. Who he is and what he can do. He has power over nature. He has power over circumstances. He has all that power. And so then in today's passage, Mark chapter 6, verse 45 through 52, Jesus says again, I want you to cross back across the sea. I want you to cross, but he doesn't go with them. He said, I'm going to send the multitude away, and I'm going to go up in the mountain and pray, but I want you to go before me to the other side. So you'll read in a moment as we look at this, the, uh, the disciples get in the middle of the sea. Another storm comes. Another storm comes. And this time, they're working really hard to get through the storm. And they can't get through the storm on their own. Jesus comes walking to them, and then he gets in the boat with them, and there's peace. And then they're, they're, uh, they're amazed, and, and they're rejoicing. How, how can this be? And then Jesus says these horrible words, not horrible, but very sobering words in verse 52. Look in your Bible. He says, they had not been able to understand about the loaves. I mean, they were all panicking in the storm. And then he says, the issue was, they didn't understand about the bread. You know, they, they, was, they were thinking that, that was just for there. You didn't understand about the bread. What is he saying? Let me paraphrase it. They couldn't connect the dots. That they're in a storm. That I sent them in that storm. I was with them before. Now I'm not with them, but I've got to help them to move along. Because I'm on my way to Calvary. I'm going to lay down my life. I'm going to be resurrected on the third day. I'm going to walk among men for 40 days. And I'll testify and I'll talk about who I am. And then I'm going to ascend to the Father. And then I'm going to, I'm going to turn my church over to these guys. And they're going to have the authority. And they're the ones that after Acts, then they turn the world upside down. But right now they're struggling with how to connect the dots. But don't we do the same thing? 
I mean, we face a crisis, maybe a financial crisis years ago. How are we going to pay our bills? How are we going to do this? I don't know how we're going to do this. God, I'm looking to you. You're my source. And then all of a sudden, checks in the mail, bills paid, something's there. And we come out of that, oh, thank God, thank God, thank God. Two or three years later, we're in the same thing. Our job has changed. We got more bills than we got money. What do we do? We panic again. We don't connect the dots that he did it then, and he can do it now. And so we don't connect those. And so we go through from crisis to crisis, never connecting the dots. But until we learn to connect the dots, We'll never get to that place that we can walk in the confidence that he never fails me, he never leaves me, and he's got everything under control. If you believe that, say amen. amen. Peter said this years, years later after learning to connect the dots. Would you read it with me? He said, friends, when life... Yeah, let's put it up on the screen there, okay? All right, I'm waiting. Look at the scripture. There we go. Read it with me. Friends, when life gets really difficult... Don't jump to the conclusion that God isn't on the job. Instead, be glad you're in the very thick of what Christ experienced. This is a spiritual refining process with glory just around the corner. He's saying, connect the dots. Look what you're going through, but remember what you've been through because what you've been through has made you ready for what you're going to go through, and you'll never go through anything that I won't provide you if you learn to connect the dots. Wow. So let's jump into this passage. I'm excited. I just, man, I just keep seeing more and more in, in this passage. Look at verse 45. Immediately, he made his disciples. He did what? He made them. He forced them. He compelled them. He urged. It wasn't a choice. He doesn't say, if you feel like it today, cross over. He says, no, this is what I want you to do. This is what I want you to do. And uh, now in chapter 4, he went with them, right? But here he says, you guys go ahead. See what he's trying to do? Help them to connect the dots. You were on the sea once before, and he's really saying, you hit a storm. I was with you. Because I was with you, you were able to calm the storm. Now you're going to go into something else. He doesn't tell them that because he doesn't always tell us in advance the test that we're going through. Because you see, if, if you know the answers, then you're really not prepared for the test. You know, if you steal the answers to the test, then you didn't really learn the lesson. It's just still theory. You didn't learn it. See, a problem with a lot of Christians is that they just live by theory and not by learning and passing the test. So, and he goes, bef go before me to the other side to Bethesda. Would you underline that? Bethesda. And he sent them away. And he went, and they, and they went away. He departed to the mountain to pray. Now when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on the land. Then he saw them. Would you underline that? He saw them straining at rowing, for the wind was against them. Now about the fourth watch of the night, underline this, this is a beautiful phrase, he came to them, walking on the water, walking on the sea, and would have passed them by. Now, let's look at some observations in this. This should have been a three-hour trip from where he was across the Sea of Galilee, northeast to this region. That it should have just been a three. But it's been nine hours, and they're off course. They're in the middle of the sea. 
They're in the middle of a storm because they're in the middle of the will of God. If you, anybody ever tells you, oh, once you become a believer, you'll never have any more troubles. You'll never have any more doubt. You just look at them and say, you're a bold-faced liar. Liar, liar, pants on fire. There's no truth to that. There's no truth to that. Jesus said, he said it very clearly. In this world, you're going to have troubles and trials, but don't be alarmed. Don't be afraid. I have overcome. And then he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. But do we believe that? It's just, is that just theory or have we connected enough dots that we say, no matter what faces me right now, he's with me. I look at this passage and several things jumped out at me. First of all, it's nighttime. You might just jot that down. Observations from Mark chapter 6 there in your notes. It's nighttime. You ever notice how in the dark our fears increase? You can hear a noise in the daytime in your house. Doesn't really bother you. But let it be about 2 a.m. when it's pitch dark. And that noise, the same noise now. Because we can't see. And it's dark. And we experience fear. Here they are. They're in the middle of the sea. And there's no, there's no headlights on this boat, okay? I mean, it's, it's dark. Pitch dark. You see, when it's dark, you can't see your way out. See, that's where some of you are right now. You're going through something and you say, I, I don't, I, how, how are we going to get out of this? We look at that as, as a world today, and we say, how are we going to ever get out of this COVID? How's this thing ever going to stop? How are we going to get out of this, uh, this, this in, increase of uh, the economy of living? How, how are we going to get past this, this gas? You know, how, how are we going to get past this potential of World War III? How are we going to get out of it? But you see, if you're rowing, and you're hardly doing that, and you're only looking at the circumstances, all you can see is the dark. And here they are. They're rowing, but they can't see a way out. I'm talking to somebody today that you said this week, I don't see how this will ever end good. I don't see how I'm going to get out of this. Hang on. I got good news for you because it's not an accident that you're here today. The Lord wanted you to hear this. He has x-ray vision. He sees you. They're in the middle of the lake. They're far from either shore. I mean, when you're, when you're not close to where you started and you're not close to where you know you want to be, where are you? You're in the middle. That's an insecure place. That's an insecure place. Nobody likes to get stranded in the hallway, do you? You know, you think, okay, I'm going to leave the kitchen, go through the hallway, the bedroom, and some of us get halfway through, and we think, where was I going? What was I going to do? And we have to go, and we have to go sit back down. Hallway is never a place we want to live. Halfway there is never a place that we want to live. Some of you are at a place of insecurity. You say, I left in obeying to God. I don't know how I'm going to make it there, and here I am stuck right in the middle. Is there any hope for me? And then I read this, that somebody's absent from my boat. Who is it? Jesus. They feel all alone. And that's where some of you are today. You feel all alone. You say, I'm struggling. I've struggled with this. This is a storm that has the potential to sink, sink me. And I feel all alone. I'm rowing. I'm doing everything I can. 
You see, that's the issue. You're trying to do it by yourself. And the wind is against them. And the, and, the, and the wind is blowing. It's, it's against them. What is that for you? As soon as I said that, what is that came to you? You say, it just feels like, it, it just feels like I'm being pressed back. I get up, I pray, I try to confess the scripture, I try to move forward, but this, this storm just keeps pushing me back and, 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 and pushing me back. And then it says, and they were straining. I mean, can you imagine? What should have been three hours is now nine hours. These guys are not superhuman. It's in the dark. They don't know where they are. They're off course. Don't know how they're going to get it. So what are they doing? They're trying their best to get there. And they're frustrated and they're tired. And they're frustrated and they're tired. We, we, we're here because this is where the Lord told us. We're here because I want to start coming to church. I want to start doing right. I want to start praying. But it seems like the more that I've done, the more that adversities come against me. And here I am. It doesn't make sense. I think some of us are like a football coach. You ever watch football coaches? When they believe the ref has called a play that's not right, they pull that little red thing out, right? And some of them throw it here, there, wherever else. But they throw it down. And by throwing it down, what are they saying? You made a mistake, ref. From where I'm standing, from what I'm seeing, You've made a mistake, and I'm calling you on it right now. You need to put the replay on. We need to take a look at that. What you're doing right now is not right. Some of us feel that way with the Lord. You won't admit it, but you feel like throwing the red flag and saying it's not fair. It's not fair what I'm going through. When I look at other people and see what they're going, it's not fair for me. And you want to throw the red flag. Guess what? The Lord doesn't panic when you throw the red flag. He doesn't panic. I'm sure the disciples thought, where are you, Jesus? Where are you? When I look at this story, I, I think we all need to ask this, where am I? Can I identify in any of these situations with the covid the economy, gas prices, the threats, World War II, maybe the, own, uh, the, the addiction that you're struggling with, maybe the uh, fear that you're dealing with. So I'm looking at this and I'm saying, okay, God, what can we learn? What can we learn from this that we can take away and it'll make a difference in our life this week? Not just theory, but something that we can connect the dots. So are you ready? Here's one point today. Here it is. I need to turn my focus on who Jesus is. Turn my focus on who Jesus is. Listen, when I'm going through what I don't have control over, I have to remember that it's not out of Jesus' control. Do you believe that? That what I'm going through and I'm not controlling it is not out of his control. I believe he's still sitting at the right hand of the Father. I don't think the Ukraine, I don't think the gas prices, there's not a, there's not a lack of oil. The scripture makes it very clear that it reproduces itself and will have a sufficient and abundant. It's politics. 
either side, it's politics, however you want to make it. The Bible talks in the very beginning in Genesis how that the earth will contain until he comes back and is ready. So I don't believe he's up there pacing. He said, oh, what are we going to do? $5 a gallon. I don't believe my people will quit going to church. They won't do that. But you know what he's doing? He's setting because he's already connected the dots. And he knows what's getting ready to happen. He knows how that is. But what happens to us? We panic. We, the very people that he's done miracles for before, we panic. Why? Because we take our focus off of him, of what he said, and we're looking at circumstances around us. You see, when my focus is turned towards Jesus instead of the storm, you know what that is? It's called worship. It's called worship. You see, worship Worship is the antidote for worry. If you're worrying, put on some worship music and just begin singing loud like you're Andrea up here on the stage, all right? Begin doing an air guitar like Matt's playing up here, all right? But take that worry and begin to worship. How many of you know the truth of that? It's how I set my sail that I move forward. Oh, don't tell Jesus how big the storm is. Tell the storm how big your Jesus is. So I turn my focus on who Jesus is. Turn my focus on who Jesus is. If I can't trust him for what I'm going through right now, how in eternity can I trust him that my sins are forgiven and he's got a home prepared for me in heaven and it'll be forever and ever and ever and sin will never have a root in my life again and I will be able to do what he wants me to do. How can I believe that? If I can't believe that what I'm going through right now, he can bring me through. But it's all my focus. My focus. So when I look at this, how do I turn my focus on who Jesus is? Well, the first thing, if you want to write this down, if you're taking notes, write this down. Jesus sees me. Man, isn't that simple but profound? Would you say that with me? Jesus sees me. As scripture said, Jesus saw them. Jesus noticed their struggle. Jesus sees you. He knows what you're going through right now. You say, no, nobody knows. He knows. That darkness, the area where you run to when you can't handle it anymore, he sees you. You think you've got it covered up? No, he sees you. He knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly what you're going through. And Jesus is watching everything in our life. Job 31 and 4 says, doesn't he see everything I do and every step I take? Jesus sees me. Second of all, Jesus cares for me. Say that with me. Jesus cares for me. Jesus sees me. Jesus cares for me. I mean, look, they are experiencing frustration, fatigue, not making any progress. They're tired. But Jesus cared for them. Next thing I notice here, the way I can turn my focus, because I know this, Jesus comes to me at my moment of greatest desperation. Jesus comes to me at the moment of my greatest desperation. Three of the four Gospels talk about this story, so it's very impactful for them. Jesus comes walking on the fourth watch to them. That's between 3 and 6 o'clock in the morning. That's the darkest, loneliest time. That's when we say, 
I can't keep doing this. I just can't keep doing this. This is ruining my life. It's destroying me. It's taking away my joy. I just can't keep doing this. And the Lord says, now, I don't know. He saw them in the beginning of the storm. But now it's nine hours later. And he comes to them. Is that because he doesn't love them? No. He came to them at the moment they were most desperate. The moment that they said, we're not going to make it by rowing. We're not going to make it by me going to another doctor. We're not going to make it by me taking another drug. We're not going to be making it by me getting drunk again. We're not going to make it by something else. We're not going to be able to do that. It's a point of desperation. And so here they are. And notice what Jesus doesn't do. He doesn't stay on the shoreline shouting to them, Hey, roll a little harder to the right, a little harder to the left. Come on, put your back into it. You're not doing enough. No, what does he do? At the right moment, he gets out, and the very thing that was about to sink them, he walks on top of. He walks on top of, coming to them in their desperation. See, that's what, that's, what the Lord, that's what the Lord spoke to me before I ever came out here today. He said, in this service, there'll be some that, uh, he said, that they've just never got desperate. They keep trying to do it themselves. Desperation is when I just throw up my hands and say, okay, that's good. He came to them. Isn't that the story of the gospel? Isn't that the story of the gospel that God comes to us incarnate? He didn't shout from heaven and say, do better. He came to us. He said, I'll never abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. How does he come? He comes walking on the very thing that's struggling in my life. Look at this, verse 49. When they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost, and they cried out. Why? Because they've never seen a man walk on water before. Give me a break. They've never seen anybody walk on It's impossible to walk on water. No man can walk on water. Oh, you got that right. Only God can walk on water. And only God who lives in people can walk on the water. That's what he was trying to share them. You see, we read that little passage that he would have gone on by them. And we say, well, that's not fair. Why would he do that? But when you study that in the original, you find that the very verbs and adverbs that they use there relate back to when God revealed his glory to Moses on the mountain. And so what Jesus was really doing there, he was, he was helping them connect the dots. No matter what storm you're going through, no matter how bad it looks, no matter what's about to sink you, I'll show up in the midst of that, and I'm walking on top of that. And if I walk on top of that, you can just come on behind me, and we're going to get to the other side. The storm can cease, or the storm can continue, but if I keep focused on him, I'm going to the other side. Oh, this is so good. He talked with them, and he said, Be of good cheer, it is I. Then he went up in the boat with them, and the wind ceased. Notice this time, he doesn't speak to the wind. He just steps in the boat. You know why? Because he sent this storm. The other storm was satanic. The enemy was trying to keep them from getting to the other side. 
But this time, Jesus has got to teach them. I was with you in a storm when the devil tried to sink us. Now, I'm going to send you another storm because I want you to connect the dots. I want you to know that when you get in a storm and you don't, can't see my presence and you can't see the other side, I want you to know I'm just, I'm just a call away. I'm just a call away. Or if you call and I'm not there, my presence is with you. I'll never leave you, and I will never forsake you. And then the Scripture said, And they were greatly amazed at themselves beyond measure and marveled, for they had not been able to understand the loaves, because their heart was hardened. You say, well, what do they mean their hearts are hardened? These are like his disciples. Well, if you have a Spirit-filled study Bible, it tells you to go over to chapter 8, verse 17. And here's the word hardened. And, you know, you need a Spirit-filled study Bible to get to heaven, so I hope you've got one. <laughs> Porao is the word. The word is used metaphorically. That's what it says right here, okay? In your Bible, it says the same thing. If you have a Spirit-filled study Bible. If you have brand X, sorry. The word is used metaphorically of spiritual deafness and blindness. Hearers of the gospel, listen, who repeatedly resist its convicting truth become insensitive and dull and lose the power of understanding. So when I go through, James says, count it all joy when you go through trials because they produce maturity in you. You're connecting the dots. So I'm a believer and I'm going through a storm but instead of yielding to God and doing what God wants, wants me to do, what do I do? I try to do it on my own, or I say, yeah, God will understand, but I've got to do this, and I've got to do that. And he says, then what happens is you become dull of hearing, and you become insensitive, and you can't connect the dots. He says, look, we just fed 15,000 people. What a miracle. And I'm still with you. Connect the dots. Connect the dots. Connect the dots. Connect the dots. Here's what I know. A good teacher gives you a test after the information has been taught to you. Right? We go through tests after tests, don't we? But some of you keep failing the test because you're trying it on your own. A lot of people on Sunday will say, Oh, yeah, amen. God is good. Yes, God is good all the time. Yeah. They know words. But they're not connecting the dots. We have to learn to put in practice what we've learned. Not just what we hear, but what we've learned. That's why we take notes. We don't just give you this handout, you know. I mean, some of you, I know what you do. You fold it up like this one was folded up. And you stick it in the back of the seat in front of you. And then you expect somebody's going to clean the church, comes in and picks it up. Did your mama ever tell you take away your own mess? If you bring a coffee cup in, take it out. If you're not going to use the handout, then at least pick it up and take it out with you, all right? All right? Listen, and if you, and if you don't have a notebook, we'll give you a free notebook to put your notes in. How many of you got a notebook? How, hold it up, right? It's free. We'll give you that. So we decided with our security team what we're going to do when we find leftover bulletins again. We're doing a fingerprint search. <laughs> we'll find you. How do I move from theory to activity? I have to know this. Am I willing to believe what Jesus tells me or am I going to stay focused on the storm that seems like it's going to sink me? 
What is Jesus trying to teach you? Here's what I know. A faith that cannot be shaken is a faith that has been shaken. If you want a faith that can't be shaken, you've got to go through some stuff and connect the dots. I mean, can't you imagine Jesus thinking, look, guys, I've been teaching you all of these things. They're not random acts. I've been showing you my power, walking with you. You've just experienced the feeding of all of these men and women. You, you, you just don't get it. When you read this story, what's left out of Mark's gospel that you find in Matthew's gospel? Peter walking on the water. You ever wonder why? I mean, I'm thinking, remember now, Peter is the one who's telling young John Mark about the story because Mark wasn't a disciple. He was a follower later. I mean, if Peter had been like a lot of us, super Christian, right? Hey, John Mark, let me tell you. Let me tell you how it went down on that day. Everybody else was safe in the boat. The storm was there. Jesus out there. Nobody else had enough faith. I had enough faith, said Jesus. Let me walk on water. Now, I slipped a little bit, but I walked on water. Now, the rest of them walked on water. And I know what it's like to be carried by Jesus back to the boat. Write that. That's important. Peter says, in retrospect, John Mark, the most important thing that happened that day is not what I did. It's not that I walked on water. But it's that in a storm that was about to destroy us, Jesus stepped on board. And when he did, we had peace. And we made it to the other side. Interesting thing. They didn't make it to the original destination. Jesus said, I want you to go up here to Bethsaida. They ended up straight across. But yet when Jesus got there, there was miracle after miracle after miracle. I looked at that this morning and I thought, Lord, what, what's, what's that mean? And I felt like the Lord said, remember that scripture I said that I can work all things out together for good to those who love me or called according to my purpose? I can take people that are off course and missing the fullness of where I want them to be. And if they allow me to get in the boat and put the focus on me, I'll take them to another place and I'll work a miracle there and the enemy will not get any glory. I can take everything that's wrong in your life and I can turn it around for his glory. Years ago, Someone asked uh, Winston Churchill, what prepared you to be able to face down Hitler and the Nazis? He said, it was because of a, of a class in my elementary school that I repeated. Someone said, you mean you failed a grade in school? He said, no, I didn't fail. I had the opportunity to retake it. Jesus retests us until we're able to pass the test that he wants us to pass. Wow. Let me say this. Some of you need to stop watching cable news constantly. How do you get your focus on Jesus? Listen to me. Read my lips very closely. Every cable news station is deceptive. They will give you what they want you to hear, their part. I don't care if it's Fox, Newsmax, CNN, MSNBC. 
grandma mama's station. They're not going to give you. We no longer get the news broadcast. We get opinions. So I watch just enough news, different sources, to know what's going on. Then I connect the dots to what is here. I connect the dots to what is here. Let me say to you how proud I am of you that you've stayed connect during this last 18 months. Those of you that are online, you stayed connected with your finances, with your presence. A lot of people have left, not just in Father's house, even though our numbers are still up. A lot of people throughout the world, and church, church uh, experts are saying this. In the church in America, We've lost the fat, but we retain the muscle. There are some who no longer come to church. They use whatever excuse they've just got out of the habit. They'll go fishing. They'll go to a movie. They'll do something else. But I want to say to you, thank you for staying plugged in with your church and making a difference with your life. Well, if this made any sense to you today, would you give the Lord a hand clap and say, yeah, amen. Let's pray. Wow. Man, Jesus, it just, I just keep seeing more and more and more in this passage. I just thank you for your word. Thank you that we're in this Bible study of rediscovering you, Jesus, discovering you or rediscovering you, Jesus, the revolutionary. Father, I just ask you to forgive us for the times that we've lost our focus on you. And we try to work our own way out. We're not willing to get desperate and just totally surrender to you. We're still running to something else to take the edge off, to make the difference, to cloud our life. Lord, I just pray today that We'll just do what, what the disciples did. They just let you get in the boat. You saw their fear. You saw their, their lack of faith that they weren't even focused on getting the other side. All they could think about was they were about to sink. Lord, you didn't really reprimand them. You just told them that they needed to work on passing the test. But you got in the boat with them. And they got to the other side. They saw miracle after miracle after miracle. Lord, I believe that there might be somebody here today that they've been trying to row the boat in their own life and they're not getting to the destination they want. They just keep getting sidetracked. Lord, I pray today that we'll be able to invite you into the boat. Invite you into the boat. As every head's bowed and everyone's still praying in church as you're asking God what's your next step, what's he saying to you today? I want to just pause for a moment and say there might be some of you here today. You simply say, you know what? I need to invite Jesus into my boat. I'm not, I'm not getting anywhere in life. I said words once, but I didn't really surrender my heart. I just said words because I thought words was all there was. No, he doesn't want just words. He wants your heart. He wants your life. He wants you to pass the test. And some of you today are struggling with passing the test. He's going to let you retest and retest and retest until you pass the test. So if you're here today and you say, you know what, Terry, 
I want to surrender my life to Jesus. Maybe for the first time, I invite him into my boat, into my life. Or maybe I need to re-surrender my life and ask him to come into my boat. If that's you, while everyone is praying, would you just lift your hand and make eye contact with me? Say, yeah, that's me. That makes sense. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Others today, say, yeah, that's me. I need to invite Jesus into my boat. That's me. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you. Others today, that's me. Yep. It's not an accident that you're here today. You're working at trying to be successful, and the harder you work at it, it just seems like the more it keeps slipping out of your hands. You know why? Because you're trying to do it on your own. God sent his son Jesus to die for your sins. And he's waiting for you to invite him into your heart, into your life. Pray this prayer with me today. And those of you that are watching online, Father God, thank you today for loving me, for caring for me. And I believe today that you died for my sins. And I'm inviting you into my life. Get into my boat. I've been trying to do it on my own. I surrender. I need your help. Lord, I thank you. As best as I know how, I want to serve you all the days of my life. Fill me with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. It's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in your life. We would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps might be, visit thefathershouse.com next. Join us next week as we continue to love God, help people, and build the